Good morning, Crestview Baptist Church. How are we this morning? Isn't it good to be in God's house? Let's try that again. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Amen. There we go. You're awake. Just have a couple of announcements this morning. We have a short business meeting today after the uh, service. Also, uh, we have an upcoming revival planned on the end of March where we'll be rotating churches. It'll be between, let's see, Pleasant Ridge, Beaver Dam, Crestview, Lattimore, Poplar Springs, and Calvary. All right. Each night of the week will be at a different church. And it's starting the week of the 27th of March, the last full week of the month. And the night that we'll be meeting at Crestview is on Thursday that week. But each, each night we'll have a, a revival service at each individual church. I don't have the exact schedule for all of them, but ours is on Thursday. And maybe more. more mm-hmm. Right. The, the following week on Wednesday, that's the week leading up to Good Friday and Easter, we'll have a Poplar Springs uh, meeting on Wednesday night. It'd be the Holy Communion uh, week, and we're going to do communion and have kind of the, the last service of the revival that, that night. There'll be more details about it as, as it draws closer. I just wanted you to be aware of it and make plans on your calendar. And uh, we'll have it posted as far as which church on which night by then. Uh, if, you're, if you're visiting with us today, please feel, feel free to fill out one of our little visitor cards and either put it in the offering plate or you can leave it out front on the thing and we'll get it after the service. Just so we'll know that, that you visited with us this morning. And if there's nothing else, I'll hand it over to Pastor Artie. <clears throat> We do have one other announcement, Doug. If you want to uh, come and share yours before I open in prayer. I will. Thank you. Uh, the 22nd of this month is my mother's birthday. She'll be 90 years old. And if you talk to her anytime now, she'll say, I'm going to be 90 years old. She'll say, I had no idea that I'd ever see 90 years old. But that's her. Now, she's delicate. She can't hear, but she can see. So Saturday at 1 o'clock, we're going to have a (laughs) drive-by by by her apartment over here at, uh, what is that place, Glenda? West Marion, the senior senior and assisted living, you know, the places where they live in the apartments over there. D4, I think, is hers. Yeah, D4. And there'll be signs in the yard, but if you'd like to come by and just drive by and wave or talk or say, hey, it's it's better for her not to be... uh, seeing a lot of folks, I mean, being with a lot of folks, because really she can't hear. So I'm, uh, I'm getting old myself, but Mama brought me here. And the good Lord brought us all here. So I just wanted to bring that up. If you would like to come by, please do. We'll be over there, and we'll be glad to see you. Thank you. Tell you, it reminds me of the, the guy that says, if I knew I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. And I remember back when my dad was telling me all the dumb things I was doing as a teenager and in my early 20s, and I was playing tackle football with no pads and breaking ribs and fingers and feet and everything else. And he said, boy, that's going to catch up to you one day. You better take better care of yourself. I'm telling you, he was not lying. It is definitely caught up to me. But I want to say first, thank you very much to our church family for allowing 
myself and Ginger and Chad and Laura to go to the pastor's retreat with our association last week. It was incredible. Um, that's all I can say. Um, there is nothing like getting together with a group of people that are in the same boat as you, doing the same thing. And just being able to be ministered to, not having to do anything, but sit and let God just pour into you and other people just pour into you. And it was incredible. And I want to say thank you for allowing us to do that. Um, do pray for Chad. If you don't know, Chad tested for positive for COVID this past week and officially comes out of quarantine this afternoon. Um, he sounds a lot better than he did um, when I talked to him this morning. Um, he sounded much better than he did when I talked to him earlier in the week. He sounded like he was about to die earlier in the week, but uh, continue to pray for him and his family as they are going through this, that no one else will get it and that he will recover with no side effects. We have several others that are going through sickness right now, um, recovering from surgeries, so uh, going through treatments. Those are all listed on our prayer list. It's available at our Welcome Center. But I do want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for, uh, for coming together to worship our Savior. So as now, as we go to the Lord in prayer, please join me to open our service. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank you so much, dear Lord. Thank you for loving us so much. Dear Lord, when I think about the fact that you can take imperfect people, people that constantly make mistakes, like myself, and you use us, you guide and direct us, and you use us to bring others to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, I thank you for that. And you are so amazing. And dear Lord, as we gather together today to worship you, may your spirit move among your people. May we know that today that we are in the presence of God. The creator of the universe and author of salvation. Dear Lord, allow, fill us with your joy. Allow us to worship you freely today. So that when we leave this place today, that people will look at us and know that we've been in the presence of God. Have your way with us today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship, 547, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. 547. Oh. 
thank you. And at this time, we will worship by giving up our gifts, tithes, and offerings. Thank you. Pray with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for blessing us with everything we need. As we offer up our tithes and offerings now, Lord, we ask that you would take these and use it for the furtherance of thy kingdom and accomplish much more with them than we ever could ourselves. Thank you for blessing us. In Christ's name, amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 189, The Lily of the Valley. We'll sing the first and the third verses. to the front. Now I've got a question. How many of you were a sweet tater this week? Is everybody a sweet tater? 
How many of you were sweet taters? <laughs> I saw one. <laughs> well, I've got another family visiting with us today, and they're called the Lemon Family. Now, you might recognize some of these people. You might have seen them in the hallways this morning. Uh, maybe you saw them at home before you came to church, but I've got them in a bag right now. We've got the daddy. His name is Father Grumpy. There's old Father Grumpy. <laughs> All right. And then we got the mom. You know what her name is? <laughs> mother Meanie. <laughs> oh, mean mother. Three children. We have Gloomy, <laughs> and we have Snobby, and we have Bossy. Well, when the Lemon family are together, they look just like this all the time. Miserable. They look like they've been sucking on lemons. Now, because they look like this and they act like this, nobody wants to be around them. No other kids want to play with them. So they're just always stuck by themselves. Well, they do go to church at the church right there next to them. But when they go, on the way home, they're always complaining. The music's too loud and too fast. Well, the next week, the music's too soft and too slow. Well, that preacher, he never preaches anything that makes me feel good about myself. And that youth minister, he's so hyper. <laughs> and then they'll complain about the prayers. Well, you know what? They pray for people that we don't even know. Why pray for somebody that goes to another church or lives in another country? Well, there was one Sunday that there was a family that lived in the community. And the mother needed an operation. Well, the dad was out of work, so they didn't have the money. So the church took up a special love offering to give to that family. Well, after church, the Lemon family get in the car, and that, the mom asked the dad, well, did you give any money for the special offering? He said, no, I gave my regular offering, and that's all I have to do. So on the way home, they decided, we're not going back to that church anymore. So you know what they did? They started their own church. So they built this nice little place, and they sent out invitations. Oh, the invitations were beautiful. And they invited everybody, everybody around. Well, the next Sunday, everybody came. The church was packed out. Well, Father Grumpy, he was over there getting ready to preach, looking like he'd just sucked on a lemon. And so the kids, the mama told the kids to go play with all the other kids. 
Well, Gloomy was just too sad to speak to anybody. He looked like if anybody spoke to him, he'd just cry. Well, Snobby, she thought she was too good to speak to anybody. <laughs> and Bossy, well, Bossy wasn't afraid to talk. You sit over here, and you sit over there, and hey, take your hat off, you're in church, and just boss and boss. And the people were shaking so in their knees they forgot to shake hands. So, church was packed out. But there was one person not there. They had forgot to invite somebody. Who do you think they forgot to invite? Jesus. Jesus had not been invited. And since Jesus wasn't in the church, no one else smiled. So the next Sunday, nobody came back to the Lemon family's church. Well, now they were more miserable than ever. Oh, my goodness. They were just plum miserable. They sat around staring at each other, arms crossed, looking like they were just mad at the world. Well, poor little old Snobby, she got so bored that she fell asleep. And she rolled off the table. And she rolled and she rolled and she rolled. And when she stopped, her frown became a smile. He stared at her until he went to laughing. Well, he laughed and he laughed and he laughed. And your old mother, she went to giggling her hair off. Well, old Gloomy and Halsey, well, they just caught the giggles and they went to laughing too. So now then the whole family was just laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing. Well, that one's too happy to talk, huh? <laughs> so, so now then, they're all smiling. Well, the next time they went out, other people saw them smiling, and they smiled back at them. So they decided to go back to church. Well, everyone just smiled at them, and they smiled back. Until now then, the whole church was smiling. And then everybody lived happily ever after. Now, that brings me something. Did you know that the Bible tells us over 800 times it mentions being happy? Over 800 times. So I think being happy is important to God, don't you? Well, did you know that smiling is contagious? I want every one of you, when I count to three, to turn around and smile real big at Artie and see if he smiles. One, two, three. Smile at Artie. <laughs> so... You can share the love of God by somebody else by doing one little simple thing, and that is smiling. So when we go back to our seats, I want you to try. I want you to look that way and smile, and I want you to look this way and smile. And see if we can get some of these grumpy old people who never smile to get them to smile too and be happy like the Lemon family. All right, let's pray. Dear Jesus, you... You cause us to be happy. And you tell us that uh, happiness is, is just good medicine. So, Lord, let us be good medicine for everybody out there. For it is your name that we pray. Amen. Now, when you go back to your seats, don't forget to smile. And after the choir, Miss Laura is going to take you all back for Children's Church. All right. Smile.
everybody out there and see if you can get the whole church to smile.
Thank you, choir. Nobody mentioned anything about the name that was up there that was doing the children's sermon. Did you guys even see that? You didn't see what it said? Anybody pay attention to who it said was doing the children's message today? Sweet Tater. That's because when I called Sandra uh, this earlier this week, I said, well, which Tater member of the Tater family are you? And she said, I'm sweet Tater. So that's why that's there. Uh, I showed it to her before I, before I left it up there. But um, this past weekend, the experience we had at the retreat it was almost as if having a revival of my very own. And then seeing what's going on in Asbury, at Asbury University, that is still going on at Asbury University in Kentucky. You guys realize that there... What's going on, and is everybody aware of what's going on in Asbury? They're, they're, they're having a revival that has lasted well over a week at this point. 24 hours a day, it is happening there on the college of that, or on that campus of that university. At Asbury, they were having their regular chapel service. Chapel service had ended, people were leaving. And one student began to repent. The worship team started singing and playing again. One person repenting and turning back to God. As they continued... People kept coming in. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit began to move in a special way. But it started with one person doing exactly what we are going to be talking about today. And God, in turn, renewed, restored, and reaffirmed. So if you would turn to Psalm 51. We're going to look at this psalm written by David, and we're going to be looking at a few verses. So Psalm 51, verses 10 
through 13. And if you will stand as I read God's Word, Psalm 51, 10 through 13. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence, and do not take the Holy Spirit, thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners will be converted to thee. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you speak to us today through your holy word. That you speak through me. Dear Lord, I pray for those that are in Asbury right now. That they will continue to experience God's movement there on that campus. And dear Lord, please allow it to continue to spread all across our country. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. So, renewed. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean spirit, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. See, this, this Hebrew word here that David uses that's translated create, it is para or para. It is literally the same word that Moses uses in Genesis to describe the beginning of the world. What God, when it said God created, it's the same exact word. And literally what it means is that here David is asking God not just to clean him up. He's not asking him to give him a good scrubbing. He is asking him to do something that only God can do. And that is to create something out of nothing. Church, you realize that without Jesus Christ, we are nothing. We are nothing. We are empty and dead inside and we are trying to fill our lives with everything else except the only thing that can give us a new heart. So here when David's praying this, the word language that he uses, he is literally telling God or asking God, Make me something out of nothing. Create in me a clean heart. What I have is not working. I need something new. Create in me a clean heart. Now I want you to think about this. When we come to Jesus and we accept Him as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit just doesn't give us a good scrubbing. We sing the song, Washed in the Blood. Yes, we are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. But He does not just wash us clean. He literally creates in us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, a new heart. A new person. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creature. 
he goes on to even say what that means. The old things are passed away. Behold, new things have come. So when we accept Jesus Christ, what happens to us is exactly what David prayed would happen to him. When David prayed, create in me a new heart or a clean heart. When we accept Jesus Christ and we pray for him to come into our lives and become Lord of our lives, he doesn't just give us a bath. He literally makes us new. He creates something out of nothing in us. And we are renewed through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. And if that is not enough for us to worship, I don't know why we're even here. Jesus is the only reason that we are here. And we have to be renewed. We have to have that renewed heart in us that made new, created new. And that's what He does for us. Sometimes we forget it. I forgot it. But we have to realize that we are not the same people that we are, were. Satan always wants to, to remind us one way or another through somebody else or through circumstances or something what we used to be like. Who we used to be. <coughs> But Jesus is already always reminding us who we are in Him. And you know who we are in Him? We are a child of the King. Paul says that he, he even shares. He says, this is what I used to do. And he reminds us that we're all sinners saved by grace. But then he goes even a step further. And he says, we are all sinners of whom I am the chief. So what was he saying in that? He says, I'm the biggest sinner of all. I am the boss sinner. And church, I'm going to tell you something. Among all of us in this room, I'm the boss sinner. And if it had only been me, Jesus Christ would have still done what Jesus Christ did. He would have still went to the cross and He still would have died just for me. Just like He would have for you. We are all sinners saved by grace. We are made new. So we don't need Satan. We, don't, we can tell Satan when he starts to remind us, you can't do this because look what you've done in your past. You say, God knew what I did in my past and Jesus loved me so much that He died for me anyway and He created in me a new heart. And so Satan, you can just shut up and go. Then look what David asked. He asked for God to renew a steadfast spirit in him. In other words, David is asking him, to give him a spirit of firmness and conviction that he will continue to live a life of godliness and obedience. David knew that unless God helped him, 
that he was going to go back to doing and living the same way again. God knows that. But here David is praying to give him a a stick-to-it spirit. A steadfast spirit. A spirit that he would not waver. He would not bend. He would not break. But he would see it through. And you know, God knew that about each and every one of us. He knew that we were going to need that same steadfast spirit to be able to move day to day and to be able to follow Him. He knew that we needed that Spirit because there was no way we'd be able to meet His standards without it. And so you know what Jesus did? Jesus promised us that if we belong to Him, that He would give us a comforter. That He would send the Holy Spirit to guide, to strengthen, and to convict us as we continually strive to live for Christ. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that tells you that we can live the Christian life on our own is telling you a lie. If you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail miserably. You know how I know? Because I've done it. And I came to the fact that I realized I cannot do it on my own. Jesus knew it. God knew it. And the Holy Spirit knew it. You see, when we have the Holy Spirit, not only does it begin to work in us and mold and shape us into the image of Christ, but look at what, it, what Paul writes to, to Timothy in his second letter in 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. I think in the King James Version, it even says it spells it out even further and says, He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline. That is what the Holy Spirit does in us. Remember when in the first chapter of Joshua, God constantly tells Joshua to be what? Strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because he needed to be strong and courageous to do what God was calling him to do. Church, We cannot live the life that God has wanted us to live, that He has called us to, and be afraid of doing it. Be afraid of what might happen to us. Afraid of who may say something mean to us. Afraid of who may make a mean tweet about us or make a a post on Facebook that, that talks about us because we are living for God. We can't do it. And that spirit of fear is not coming from Christ. That spirit of timidity is not coming from the Holy Spirit. We are supposed to live our lives with power. Acts 1.8 says, after this, you will receive power. When will we receive power? 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. That is what He's called us to do. And we cannot do it with a spirit of fear. We have to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then David was living outside of the will of God. When he wrote this, he had actually, this was what was going on in his life at this point. Nathan, the prophet Nathan, had just came to him and called him out on his whole relationship with Bathsheba and the murder of her husband in order that he could cover up the fact that he had got another man's wife pregnant. Nathan had called him out on it. And David had become repentant. And that child that was conceived in an adulterous relationship died. <clears throat> and the servants were afraid to tell David because David had been in mourning, begging God not to take the child. But once the child died, God, David got up and he wrote this psalm. And he says in verse 11, Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. You see, I'm sure that David, while he's thinking about this, he's thinking about what happened to his predecessor. What ha happened to Saul? King Saul. The Bible literally says that the Spirit of God departed from Saul. And David saw what happened to him when God removed His presence. Church, we definitely don't want that to happen as a church. We do not want to lose the Spirit of God in our church. Or we will become just like this church with the lemon heads over here. Where everybody's sourpuss and everybody's about themselves and Jesus is not included in any of it. Because if that's what happens to our church, we might as well lock the doors right now. Because we cease being the church of God. We stop being the bride of Christ. Because it's no longer about Jesus and it's all about us. But David does not want to lose that Holy Spirit. He does not want to lose this because he's living outside of God's will. But here's the thing. This is something that we as disciples will never have to experience. Because we are promised by Jesus Himself that He will never leave us. Look at Matthew 28, verse 20. The last part of that verse. It says, And lo, I am with you sometimes. I am with you when you only do what I say. I am with you when you ask. Is that what it says? What does it say? What's that word there that it says? Always. I am with you always. And he even goes a step further here. Not only am I with you always, but even 
till the end of the age. No ifs, ands, or buts. Once Jesus has us, that's the end of the story. It doesn't matter what we do. Jesus will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Maybe we turn our backs and walk away from Him. But we're going to be miserable the entire time until we get back with God. Until we come back in with Jesus. And if we can walk away from Him and, never, and not even feel anything about it, then I'm going to tell you something. You never really knew Him. You say, well, Artie, how can you say that? The Bible says we'll know by your fruits. And if you're able to turn your back on Jesus and walk away from Him, like pastors have done, like singers have done, actors have done, regular people that sit in the pews have done, if you're able to do that and have no remorse and you can say honestly, I am happier now than I've ever been in my life, then you never knew Jesus Christ to start with. Because if you know Him, you can't be away from Him and still be happy. Jesus or David knew this and he's praying, don't take your spirit from me. I don't want to go back to the way I used to be. I want you to stay with me. And then restored. Look at verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. There is an indescribable joy that comes from salvation in Jesus Christ. I remember when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I felt like I was floating. That fear and that anxiousness and that dread and that guilt were all gone. And it was replaced by a joy that you cannot explain to people. They may look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? Jesus, that's all you can say. You can't describe it to them. Unless you experience it, you will not understand the joy that comes from salvation. David did something. See, this joy cannot be taken away from you. But David gave up his joy. And like David, we can give up our joy. We hear all the time, don't let the devil rob you of your joy. The devil cannot rob you of your joy. But you can hand it over to him. And you can give it up. Well, how do we do that? You can give up or cover, give away or cover up your joy by choosing not to follow God's will. If you are trying to live out your life outside of the will of God, and you know you're outside of the will of God, guess what? You're giving up your joy because you're not going to experience it the way you would if you were in the center of God's will. And then choosing to live in unconfessed and unrepentant sin. See, that's what David was doing. David knew that he was living in sin. 
And he wasn't unrepentant. He was unrepentant. He didn't ask for forgiveness. He covered it up. Until Nathan came and God gave Nathan the words to say and Nathan called, called him out. Can you imagine Nathan going and telling the king, you're sinned? And then David's heart breaking and realizing that he had been living in unconfessed sin and it was taking his, he was allowing it to take him, his joy away. And then we could be like Peter and we can allow a spiritual struggle to take our eyes off of Jesus. You remember when Peter was walking on the water, he asked Jesus, Jesus came to him walking in the water in the middle of the storm and he says, if it's really you, let me come into you. And Peter gets out and starts walking to Jesus. And as long as he's got his eyes on Jesus, what's he doing? He's walking on the water. And then the Bible says that he started noticing the waves and the wind. And he started to sink. And then Jesus had to lift him back up. And I even said this. I said this several months ago. I said, I can guarantee you that Peter was holding on to Jesus so tight all the way back to the boat. And I'm going to tell you, he was. Because he, he realized that he could not do it without Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to renew or restore our joy on a daily basis. Because we get sidetracked. We take our eyes off of the goal. We take our eyes off of Jesus because of so many things going on in our lives. But I'm going to tell you something. We cannot... We cannot worship God without having the joy of salvation. See, David knew who to ask to restore his joy. He also knew who sustained his joy. It wasn't anything that he did, just like it's nothing that we do. But it's the Holy Spirit. It is, it is God that gives us that joy. It is God that maintains that joy and sustains that joy. But we can't worship. We can't truly worship our Savior with a heart that is not full of the joy of salvation. We can't do it. Look at 1 Peter 1, verses 8 and 9. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you did not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining as an outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. 
We can't explain it. We can't express it. You know, I tell people all the time, um, I told somebody, I told Mona, I believe, um, you know, it's been a, a while. I used, when I first started this, I used to cry all the time. I couldn't even get through a prayer. I'm going to tell you, my crier's fixed. I cried all weekend. I've cried every day almost since, since we've been back. And when I got the text message from, from Sandra telling me what songs we were singing this week, I'm thinking, I stand amazed in the presence. I'm about to do it now. <laughs> Sitting in my office reading a text. Tears just start running on my face. I tell people all the time that the Spirit fills me up. And I got this from Bruce. He used to tell me this. It, it filled me up so much it came out my eyeballs. And that's the truth. Then reaffirmed. Psalm 51.13 Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. This weekend, God reaffirmed what He had called me to do. Not only did He reaffirm what He had called me to do, but he also reaffirmed to me where I, I was where he wanted me to be to do it. In other words, I know I'm not here by mistake. I know I'm not here by accident. And I know none of you are either. Because God has put you where he wants you. David knows what God is wanting him to do. And what he is required, and what he has to have to, to do, what is required of him to do what God is wanting him to do. He needs a clean heart. We cannot serve God without knowing God. And we can't we'll not know God unless God has created in us a new heart, a clean heart. A steadfast spirit. You are going to get hit with every excuse in the book. And I've actually got to the point where somebody will tell me something and I will tell them that's just an excuse. Anything that keeps you from doing what God has called you to do is just an excuse. I'm sorry if you think that's harsh, but it's the truth. A good excuse and a bad excuse are still excuses. doesn't matter. You need a steadfast spirit. And then, the joy of salvation. And just like David, we have to have a clean heart, a steadfast spirit, and the joy of salvation to accomplish the mission of our church. And you know the difference between the mission that God has given you individually and the mission that God has given the church? You know the difference between those two? Absolutely nothing. Because the church is not this building. Who's the church? We are. 
And God has given every single one of you a mission. And He has given His church a mission. Matthew 28, 19-20. Now you think about how you can accomplish this mission. Because this is what David's praying for. He says, if you give me all these things, if you give me a clean heart, if you give me a, a steadfast spirit, and you give me the joy of salvation, I will do this. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19-20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now look again at Matthew or Psalm 51, 13. What does it say? Then I will teach transgressors. What does it say? I will teach your ways. Teaching them everything that you've commanded us. And sinners will be converted to you. Church, I have said this so many times. Getting somebody to pray to accept Jesus Christ is not the end of our job. Yes, we celebrate that. And we're so happy when that happens. But that is not the end of it. Because what does it say that we have to do then? After they've come, what are we supposed to do? Teach them. Invest in them. Make disciples. There is a, actually a big difference before, uh, between getting saved and becoming a disciple. Getting saved is the starting point of becoming a disciple. But it's a continuous learning experience. And learning from God, experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you something. You think about this. As Jesus is traveling around and He's calling His disciples, all 12 of them, did they understand everything that He told them the first time He told them? No. And in fact, on several occasions, Peter kept telling Jesus, you're doing it wrong. That's not the way you do it. Surely not. Don't do this. You can't do this. And, and Jesus finally got to the point where He told, told Peter, He said, get behind me, Satan. They didn't understand everything at first. Jesus spent three and a half years with these 12 men, teaching them, spending time with them. And I have to tell you something. Something that God has told me or showed me. They were everyday people with everyday problems. Just like us. And what did God do with them? What did God do with them? Changed the world. He changed the world. With normal, regular, everyday people with the same struggles that we deal with every day. And here's the other thing. He chose them. It was not by accident. 
He chose them. Just like He has chose, chosen every single one of us, if we call Jesus Christ our Savior, you have been chosen. And He knows you. So if we want in our church, in our lives, the same thing those students at Asbury University are experiencing right now, we have to be renewed. We have to be restored. And we have to be reaffirmed that Jesus is Lord. And He chooses to use us to accomplish His will. And it is not by accident that you are here in this church. It is not by accident that you're here today. God puts you here for a reason. Now whatever it is that God is dealing with you with right now, if He is speaking to you, don't leave this place without responding to that. This is your opportunity to do that. Whether it's accept Christ as your personal Savior. Whether it's renew. Do the same thing that David did. And renew that relationship with Him. If you are looking for a church home and you feel this is where God wants you to join with us, this is your opportunity to do that right now. As we sing this song, this is your opportunity. Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation? Page 294. Have thine own word. <coughs> 294.
guys may be, have a seat. Um, we have Nancy and her mother Peggy coming today. Come on up here. <laughs> It'll be okay. If you don't know, this is Nancy DeCote. She is our, uh, our secretary and has been working with us for a few months. And she's coming today to uh, join our church by statement. What that means is that she is stating that she is a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that he has saved her, and she has been baptized by submersion. Um, and she's coming to get today to unite with our church. And then this is Peggy, and Peggy, what's your last name again? Johnson. Is Peggy Johnson. This is Nancy's mother, and she is coming also today to join by statement as well that she is a, a believer in Jesus Christ, that he is her Savior, and that she has been baptized by submersion. Both of them, the churches that they are, were baptized in that have their letter, don't even know if that church even exists anymore. So, uh, but they are coming together today to join our church. And if you're excited about that, let me hear a hearty amen. amen. And then uh, you go ahead and clap. It's okay. We are glad. I'm telling you, Nancy and I have had many, many long hours of conversation about, about what it means to be a Christian. But you, got, you ladies could have a seat right there. And then after, or you can go back to your seat if you want to. After, after we finish with our business meeting, I'm going to ask if you would come out front with me so people can just come by and welcome you to the church. Okay? And um, don't forget Bible study Wednesday night. Um, this is a short month. You remember it's February, and we only have 28 days in February. It's a short month. So in two weeks, we have our, men's bre our, our Baptist men's breakfast on that first weekend of, of March. Please come out for that and uh, continue to pray for Chad and Whitey as he recovers from uh, his surgery. There he is. I was just spinning around in circles trying to find my deacon of the week. <laughs> I saw him start moving forward, but, but anyway, uh, don't forget we do have a short business meeting afterwards after we dismiss, but I will be back at the back and, uh, if anybody needs to leave to speak to you. But again, thank you for being here. Remember, we can't serve Jesus the way Jesus wants us to serve him without having that joy of his salvation in our hearts. We can't go around looking like we've been sucking on lemons and tell people, can I tell you about Jesus? He made a world of difference in my life. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. You know, Jesus wants us to have the joy. He wants us to laugh. He wants us to be real. And we can't do that without having that joy. We cannot do it. So Larry, if you will come as our deacon in a week, dismiss us and dismiss our service in prayer. And then Jim, if you would take over for our business meeting, I'd greatly appreciate it.
communicate with you directly. You have to go through no object, you go through no man, but come straight to you. Thank God we have a living God that we can worship. We talked there earlier this morning and we had such a wonderful Sunday school class. Father God, we're so proud that we were able to talk about the art, not only the art that you placed on this earth, but to know that you are the artist of us all. You're the artist of our world. Father God, we're so thankful for the beauty that you shared upon us. May we go on and let our light that we shine be shine for you. We ask in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.